Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by DieHard. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to MotorWeek podcast number 104. I am John Davis, and joining me today around our Odd-shaped table here in uh, Studio C at MotorWeek Central is assistant producer Greg Carlos. All right, all right, all right. Our writer Patrick Lucas. I'm here. Over the Edge reporter Zach Mescal. This is a weird table. It is a weird-shaped table. And we have a very special guest today, editor-in-chief from Cars.com, Mr. Patrick Olson. John, thanks for having me. Oh, great to have you here, Patrick. Patrick's here along with a lot of the editorial crew from Cars.com for or We're uh, doing a midsize sedan challenge. So we've got 10 of the most popular. Um, they're all under $27,000. They all get at least 28 miles per gallon combined. And it includes, like, the brand-new Camry. So it'll be very interesting to see who wins. Have you set a release date for it to go up on cars.com? Uh, sometime in the middle of November, probably around November 10th. And we'll have uh, the results also on Motor Week at about that time. Okay, we've got our usual lightning round and a viewer question later, but first let's get to the cause. 2015 Dodge Challenger SRT 392, and also we got to talk about the Hellcat. You can't talk about the Challenger without that. Everyone, what do you think? We had the 392 here. Greg, you've driven the Hellcat. You have two, Patrick. Chime in. Is it is this another chapter in the Pony Car Wars, or are they just trying to be stay a little relevant in the face of relevance in the face of the new Mustang? Um, I'll give the courtesy here to Patrick since this is his first first podcast with us, and then. Uh... Well, I, I drove the Hellcat. I was impressed by how much of a daily driver it is, but I didn't feel that sense of giddiness. Like if I get into an F-Type or a 911 and I know it's going to have explosive horsepower, you know, I'm kind of revved up for it. And the Hellcat, it was good, but it wasn't phenomenal. Well, what was missing was the fact that it's 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 only up there at the absolute peak. That well, I think that's exactly it, John. It didn't have as much low-end torque as you thought it might have. Totally. I mean, I was hitting – I was in stop-and-go traffic. I was a little nervous about it, to be honest, that I was going to be running up on people, and I never did. And so I never got that sense of I'm going to unleash this thing and it's going to go. There were times when getting on a freeway ramp or some other open areas where I was able to take off, and when you get there, it's pretty, pretty impressive, but – in the start off, it was pretty tame. Greg? Yeah, I can agree with him on that one. Um, but, but still, you can't underscore how much power this thing has. It really does have a lot of power. And it's, um, I think it's also a lot of the ambiance, too, with, when you hear the supercharger whine and everything else. I mean, it, there is you know, a lot to it that makes it the Hellcat. And I, I can agree that it, it was not quite the 707 horsepower that I expected, but it was still plenty. Um, you know, that SRT 392 we had here was a real nice car. And and when you're talking about that much additional horsepower, you're, I mean, the bragging rights are going to be amazing. And I imagine this car, that car, the Hellcat, will become a collector's item. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they just sold the one in, what was it, um, uh, at, auction, at auction, the first one. First one off the line yeah, for like yeah, $1.8 yeah. $1. million. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously it's going to be, you know, like you said, a collector's item. But I think the one that we had, the 392, is probably the sweet spot yeah. in terms of performance and price. I mean, you're getting a lot of that performance out of the 392, and you're paying, you know, over ten grand less than what you would pay for the, uh, the Hellcat. It's like the Boss 302 Mustang versus a Shelby. 
Zach, what did you think of the uh, Challenger that we had in? You know, like you said, with the battle of the red, white, and blue pony cars, there was the Ford GT500, then Chevy with the ZL1, and then it was the GT500 again, and now it's a 700-horsepower Hellcat. There's only a handful of other cars that are faster than this, but, you know, if you want to break down horsepower for money, I mean, this thing is an incredible deal. Um, as Greg and I were talking about when we first got in here, you know, the tires on the back of the Hellcat are 275 40s. Maybe they could be a little bit bigger yeah. to get more power down to the ground. Um, I don't know exactly what it what needs to change. Um, overall, very well done, but uh, still some room for improvement. Patrick? Um, well, you know, I haven't driven the Hellcat, but... 392, I tooled around that in downtown Baltimore. So um, was it docile enough to handle the I thought streets? it was awesome. I thought it was a ton of fun, uh, a good amount of power. I, it was hard to imagine what the Hellcat would be like after driving the 392 because I thought, this is plenty of power. This is more than enough. I'm squealing tires at every traffic light, stuff like that. And I'll tell you, I don't know why. I, I drove the Bentley, whatever Bentley we had a couple months ago. I drove that downtown. GTV8. Yeah, I got more looks in this in the challenger downtown people are like oh, yeah, no, like, that's baller people doing double takes like, yeah that's it seems like that's like got the hearts of the you know the, yeah. just the average american yeah. when they see a challenger it doesn't even need to be a hellcat i went sounds to a, awesome you look at it and you're like that's i was american. in a, that's america i was in a convenience store and you know when you walk by people you hear them just whispering yeah. about the car like oh that's the new hellcat and you know i want to correct them right but, but it's, it's but not don't. the hellcat but yeah let, let them like, dream let them dream yeah let them dream <laughs> but, uh, the challenger uh what do you call it? Scat pack in Chicago and drove into a McDonald's drive thru and the woman at the at the window said, That is one sexy car. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean There's that's didn't have the heart to tell her it wasn't mine. <laughs> yeah, I mean that it definitely wins the beauty contest, I yeah. think, for most people. It's always you know, you you have your Mustang people, yeah. you have your Camaro people people, but there are so many challenger people just from the way it looks and I think, you know, it's also Back to the the, the ride of, of the car, it's very big inside, which yep. is nice, it's nice uh, flush, car. Yep. Uh, very smooth cruiser. Yep. So yeah, I mean, it really can fight the Mustang and uh, Camaro depending on what you're looking for. And for parents, we discovered you can fit three child seats across that back seat. <laughs> right. So you know, if you're looking for something so to, the kids to, to sell the, the spouse, you know, <laughs> so not exactly a midlife crisis car, but somewhere <laughs> along there. Speaking of midlife crisis cars and cars that are beautiful, uh, let's move on to the 2015 Jaguar F-Type Coupe. Yeah. That's a good thing Robinson's I, not here. He's sick of talking about those cars. You know, <laughs> I will never be sick about talking about Amen. that car. I, it's I, beautiful. The gist of our road test was that it's not like it's a different car, but a better, much better version of the same car, meaning the convertible. What a sweet piece of work. Mm-hmm. But what do you think? Oh, I thought it was phenomenal. I thought um, I, I wasn't sure what to expect when I first got in it, into it, but I think it's a serious 911 competitor. I think the response to the throttle, um, it's a little dodgy sometimes in that the back end wants to get out of me, even in some really kind of sedate moments. But the the level of giddiness I get from driving that car is phenomenal. And um, you know, all the way around, the way it looks, the way it drives, just the comfort. I'm a big guy, and usually cars like that I come to hate because I'm, they're really uncomfortable. Not in the F-Type. Guys? Uh, I mean, I I took it to the beach uh, for a weekend. Um, and you came back single. Amazing. It was, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, no I, I mean, obviously everyone's staring at it. Um, I think I made my, my cousin and my friend's weekend just by having it there, and they were, like, in awe of it. Um, yeah, unbelievably good-looking car. Um, the sound, I mean, I'm sure we've addressed this a billion times because we've talked about it so much. The sound can get a little old after a while, especially if you're just – 
stop and go traffic and yeah. you hear this thing constantly like you know firing crackle. back at you yeah. Yeah. and crackle yeah. but i mean other than that awesome Greg, did you have a chance to spend any time? In it? I've actually spent a lot of time with this car. You went on I was the preview, on, yeah, I was you? on the press yeah. launch for it. Uh, we had it here, obviously. Um, I'm trying to think of things that I haven't said about it. I mean, it's, it's all right. We've got an audience that may not have heard what yeah, you said it's, before. It's such a good looking car, and uh, <laughs> you know, I almost had to think. Cause I actually uh, met Ian Callum, who was the uh, yeah. lead designer uh, with Jaguar, and it was almost like thanking him for making such a a good looking car. But um, I'll go ahead and raise this question now. So now that the Z06 has announced its pricing, what was it like seventy-eight grand, maybe mm-hmm. a shade under seventy-nine? The F-Type Coupe R is at a hundred grand. I gotta say, I mean, as much as I love the F-Type, it seems like the better bang for the buck here is the Z06. I think it's a different market. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I think the buyer that's going to buy that Z06 would probably not look twice at a, at a Jaguar or anything, and, and vice versa. And vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and a hundred grand these days when you is not that much money anymore. I mean, when the average car is rolling out of a dealership between thirty-two and thirty-six, yeah. uh, and you can buy something like the i8 for one forty. Uh, you know, a hundred grand for something that uh, uh, you know with that much uh, panache and power is pretty amazing. Yeah, I would just I, watch. The, not out of my budget, I should add. <laughs> the one thing I'd watch is the reliability. I'll, I'll tell you that when we had the F Type in Chicago, came oh, out one morning and tell found us the about it. found the rearview mirror dangling by a cable as the adhesive had given way. So <laughs> of course it was covered, but you know, it's a, a lot of Jaguar folks will tell you that that's something you got to keep an eye out for. Zach, did it do anything for you? I love it. Uh, I think I like the convertible more, to be honest with you. But, uh, I mean, the stiffness of the car is, you know, noticeable. Um, like Patrick was saying about being able to kick it out uh, or, you know, it sliding out on you. From the rear, uh, that's the part that I like the most about it, honestly. But um, And I'm not I don't sure. think – I think the rear of the coupe is far better executed than the rear on the convertible. Hmm. When I look at the back of the coupe, it seems like, okay, I get it. With a convertible from a distance, it always just sort of like it didn't match the rest of the car. And I don't know if yeah. it's just the extra lines or what. Well, I'll say if I had to buy one of those two, I'd get the convertible. I was driving around with my daughter, and the top goes down so quickly. Mm-hmm. And hearing that note, yeah, I know it can get, it can get old after a while, but driving down with, in the sun with the top down, you know, the looks you get, just the fun you're having, it's a blast. Well, we had the convertible at a racetrack for four days last January, and it did very well. All right, I'm going to move along to where Greg's literally just gotten off the plane coming back from the 2014 Paris Motor Show. Greg, what were the highlights? And I guess uh, that a lot of it has to do with Jaguar. Yeah, there's there are several uh, Jaguar XE, uh, which will be the three series fighter, um, and it's all aluminum. All aluminum, which is you know all the rage these days. But you know Jaguar is kind of taking the next step there and um, really uh, going all in on it. Um, you know, a, a lot of people are going to question you know about the old X Type and is there, there going to be you know similarities to that one? And people are concerned about it, and it's you know it's a valid question. But I think. I think Jaguar's really changed since the X-Type. And, uh, you know, obviously I didn't get to drive it. And I think European market gets it before we do. Uh, we're actually still going to have to wait quite a bit longer and for I it to come over. I don't understand that because, you know, why in the world the American market, which is such a volume market, are they going to make us wait? That sort of says, like, they want to get the bugs out. It bothers uh, me a little bit. Yeah, but there is good news is that, again, you'll have to wait even more, but it will be coming over with a manual option, mm. which is, I mean, if Maybe you're going to fight the three the series, you're right. going to have to have a manual. Yeah. And and I'm thinking, you know, is that the time where they say, hey, we're also going to be putting 
be putting it in the uh, F-type V6 or, or an F-type. Very possibly. Because, they might you know, have, because that market is still has a, that would a, be a perfect, substantial V6 and, of course, all-wheel drive contingent here. Yeah, but, uh, you know, we'll get away from that. Uh, other things were Land Rover Discovery Sport, which is a really good-looking vehicle. Um, Civic Type R, which, you know, people are always looking forward to. And it was, I mean, I saw it and just kind of stood there for a while and looked at it and just, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's something I really want to see happen. Mm-hmm. Um you had um, yeah. There's I'm, I'm still like I don't know if it's jet lag or whatever, but I'm still trying to remember all the things that <laughs> yeah, happened. The new it's Lamborghini, such a big show. which I think surprised everybody yeah, now, that, they've, now it, that they've entered into the uh, exotic hybrid ranks. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, with Ferrari and McLaren and everybody going plug-in hybrid, it's time for Lamborghini to get in in on some of that. And for the uh, U.S. market, there was a new Sorento, which we'd already seen, but it, this was its public coming out. Sorento and what the four-door mini. Uh, four-door mini four-door was there. Of the mini uh, hatchback is there. Um, trying to think. Uh, BMW X6 was also there. You hadn't been to the Paris show no, this before. Was my what first was time. your impression? Because uh, the Paris Motor Show has always been my favorite. And I don't know why, but maybe it's just because of the great city it's in. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, and I, that has a lot to do with it. It's just a really cool city to be in. Um, it's very spread out. The other, uh, uh, I guess I'll compare it to LA in that LA is all in one. You know, yeah. one convention center, whereas this is one convention center, but it's all different buildings. So I'm just like walking back and forth, and it was a little bit chaotic. But in terms of just like cool stuff to look at, and just the ambiance of the whole place, it was really, um, you know, I would definitely put that above the LA Auto Show. Now, when I would go to Paris, what I always went to look for, and what I think a lot of us have grown accustomed to, is because this is a city where fashion is king. There's always some really wild concepts there. What did you see that was kind of like over the moon? The Q80, the uh, the Infinity. Oh wow, that was that was pretty cool. And there was. Um, uh, Peugeot always had had two concepts. They did. They had the, the quartz. Uh, <coughs> I can't remember the and the exalt and the I exalt, believe. and uh-huh. they were both pretty wild. And I guess there was some news right after the show that was made at the show about the possible return of Peugeot to America. Yeah, their uh, DS, the sub brand, is trying to, I guess, by next decade, make their way into America and the rest of the, the, rest of the world, really. They want to be uh, featured in a lot of the major cities in, in the world. And uh, like I said, they're going to go for that luxury-type segment. And um, I guess Peugeot is now owned, Peugeot and Citroën are now owned both by, I guess the French government has ownership, some ownership, but also there's Chinese interest in it now, too. So it's a different company. It's Very evolving yeah. into a different company. So I want to go back? I do. I Can would I like add? to go back. And actually, luckily, I had a lot of time to walk around. So it was so easy to navigate that city. So I had a really good time, I mean, all around. It was an didn't awesome need a, show. Didn't need a car, did you? No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I don't want a car in Paris. It took us, you know, to go... To the airport from from Paris, it was it was quite a while. Yeah, there was certainly a lot to distract you in Paris, and that gets us into our lightning round, where we have a rather liberal two minutes before you hear this sound, the bell to debate uh, a trending automotive topic, and uh, here we go. A uh, new uh, AAA-funded study showed that hands-free voice command systems like Siri in cars and trucks may not be less distracting than actually having a hands-on system. 
From our experience, what do you think about this study? Uh, you know, basically, we've been telling people and the government's been telling people and the car makers have been telling people that, hey, the answer to all of this driver distraction from the new electronics is going to be voice command. And then, of course, you get into a vehicle and you hit the little voice button and it doesn't understand you. Yep. What do you think of the study? Um, I mean, I I don't think it's that surprising, honestly. I mean, it, I mean, half the time I try it. You press the button and then you, you look at the screen to make sure it's it's on and it's recognizing your voice. So there's eyes off the road already. And then when it doesn't work, you get frustrated and you <laughs> press it again. And, and that's a lot because it's still not perfected. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's the huge problem is that level of frustration, that inability. I live in the town of Aurora, Illinois, a fabled home for you know Wayne's, Wayne's world. world. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I have a basement. You know, it's it's but. The Chevy Impala that Cars.com bought as a tester, I was trying to voice you know, recognition to get to my address, and it could not understand the word Aurora. It just was beyond its capability. <laughs> it came up with 30 different alternate words, but never the right one. And I think until they can solve that, being 75% of the way there is the same as being 0% of the way there. Yeah. Zach, your experience with the voice command? Uh, dislike highly, and I'm just happy that I'm not in charge of uh, figuring out a way to combat distracted driving. I mean, I don't think we're going to find the way, yeah, and I'll tell you why. Really I don't think the brain can manage two yeah, functions at the same time. I was going to say it's, it's, it's not impossible. It's not a physical thing. It's not like you're physically distracted, like touching stuff, and maybe your eyes aren't even off the road, but you're just not focusing on driving in this study they they did some simulated uh accidents and in the simulators they had at least two rear-end collisions where the driver was looking straight yep. at the vehicle they were going to hit you're just yeah. not registering right. what's happening but trying to text yeah. or or to do something and to your point john it's not just two things you're trying to do one is i'm trying to remember or try to figure out what i'm going to say to the person i'm trying to say it to then figure out the technology of how i'm going to say it to them third while this you know two tons of metal is <laughs> Right. Drifting along at 30 miles an hour, you know. And they also said that in this study that it was the voice situation, which some automakers will tell you, you know, well, you've, you know, if you go through the learning process with the system, it learns your voice. But nobody's going to do that. Let's right. face it. Uh, they also said it, said it was the layers. And I've noticed this in a lot of vehicles. You've got to say radio. Then you've got to yes. say XM. <laughs> then you've got to give it a channel. And you've got to wait for it to respond all that time. So it was the number of layers that you have to go through with this and how many times it beeps. And you just want to reach over and touch something. Right. Um, it's like talking to a teenager, right? Yeah. You have to get their attention. You have to get them to focus on you. You have to repeat the command six times. Oh, my times, dogs. You know. That's yeah. the same yeah. way. <laughs> kind of the same thing. Okay. All right. I think we all agree that the voice command systems have got to be a, be a lot better before they're going to become um, useful, truly useful. Okay. It's time now to move on to our Motor Week mailbag. And uh, we've got a question from um, Raymond O'Brien, and here we go. <clears throat> Raymond says he now lives in Jacksonville, Florida, and when he was visiting down there, he was he rented a Dodge Avenger. Okay, um, he said everybody drives pretty fast down there, and the four-cylinder Avenger wouldn't change lanes and let him keep up with traffic. He was pretty frustrated. Uh, he is now looking for a four-door sedan that is big enough to carry a wheelchair. And he wants to spend around $20,000. Do we have any suggestions for him? What comes to your mind? Well, first thing, I'll start this off. 
used is comes to mind. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I think a two or three year old off lease car is going to be what you're looking for, Raymond. And once you do that, your world's your oyster. Yeah. I wonder if uh, a used Optima, I've always found that backseat to be pretty large. I don't know if the trunk opening is configured exactly right for a wheelchair, but I know those cars have a lot of get up and go um, and a lot of space in the back. And, you know, for that kind of price, uh, you can buy a barely used uh, Fusion. There's, yep. a, there's a lot of very good. I mean, you could probably even get into a, a Camry or a Cord if you weren't too picky about trim levels. But when you get down to about that price, and today, you know, a, a two or three year old used car is practically new if it's been taken care of. Yeah, if it's had the right owner, it should be in terrific shape. Yeah. Anybody have any other suggestions other than a sedan that he wants something? Uh, yeah, with, I mean, with I don't decent know. Decent power. Sedan. I mean, if you're especially a, something cumbersome and tall and awkward proportions like a wheelchair and crossover, possibly small one could be. Yeah. Although you know the 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 downside for a lot of small crossover is there's a really high load floor, True. right? Yeah. True. So if you can get a used minivan, you know people diss them all the time, but I swear to they you are know, the best use of space and for their low entry, low low entry height, and they're low cheap. load floor, and they are. You get a two yep. or three year old Grand Caravan, or I mean, yeah, Grand yep. Caravan or Town and Country, you'd be amazed how little money you can get those right. for. Fold in the second floors yep. into the floor, and you've got ample space for the wheelchair there. You know. So Raymond, I kind of mm-hmm. hope we uh, helped you a little bit on that. I I think as far as new i would basically say that's going to be a little bit tougher given how expensive new cars are today but look gently used and i think you'll find something that'll fit and that does bring the end or to an end our motor week podcast number 104 and i want to thank greg carlos patrick lucas zach mascal and also patrick olson our special guest from cars.com for joining us today. Patrick, come back and see us again. I will, John. Thank you. And that's it. Please be sure to watch Motor Week on all of your local public television stations and also catch us on the Velocity Cable Channel. I'm John Davis. For all of us at Motor Week, thanks for listening. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com and by Die Hard. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.